Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which to learn their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barrens. And joining us today is the Las Vegas slasher himself, Drew Marvick. He is well known for Pool Party and Massacre and uh, making noise in the area of um, Las Vegas. So let's get ripped apart together and talk about his career. Drew, how are you doing? I'm awesome. That's Thanks for that fantastic introduction. I think my neighbors would agree with you that I am making a noise in Las Vegas. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. The more noise, the better. Um, so it's, it's definitely a pleasure to have you on here. Um, Dean has been talking so much about you after meeting you at uh, For the Love of Horror. And obviously, I've seen Pool Party Massacre, and it's great. It's fun, really wacky. Um, and seeing you in it as well was really, really cool. So being able to chat with you about you know where everything began and where you are today is uh actually an, an honor it really really is awesome well it's an honor to be on here with you guys thank you um it's quite funny when we were for the love of horror because obviously i've never met you before true but I, I followed you online before i actually met you and it was <clears throat> it was your overall look <laughs> it was the beard i was like who's this guy man he looks like fun <laughs> and i started i started like watching your videos and i was like oh he's a director and then i was i, I realized you directed paul party massacre i was like i know and i recognized the poster i was like, i know that fucking movie i was like oh okay and then that's when i just kind of started following everything he was doing and then i was at further love of horror setting up and i looked up on the balcony i just saw this big beard hanging over the edge <laughs> i was like that's fucking drew marvick man i'm sure it is <laughs> you weren't scheduled to be there or anything you know uh, like no. you know, a guest, which you should have been, man. You should have been a guest there, you know. Um, but yeah, and I was kind of messaged you and was like, "Hey, is that you standing next to Ari Layman?" You're like, "No, I would never stand next to Ari Layman." <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is me. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's great." <laughs> yeah, that so, was yeah. funny, and because I was just like, I was up there. That was during the Corey Taylor show, like yeah, like the opening night before the convention started. Yeah. And I was up there and I was talking to my girlfriend and about the convention. And I was like, man, I wonder if anyone like in this entire building over the weekend, if there's going to be anyone here that's seen, like knows who I am or seen my stupid movie. And then like on cue, my phone vibrates and it's you sending me a message like, is that you standing on the balcony? That's awesome. And I was like, ah, look, 
Somebody, there's already one person that knows who I am That's from a distance as well. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know. I mean, like I've done a ton of conventions in the U.S. and film festivals, and you know, I've been around for a little while here, but my movie barely got a release in the UK. Like Pool Party Massacre barely got a. It technically did get a UK release. I'd had a distributor, but it didn't. Well, I mean, this the story is, I guess, jump into that real quick. Um, it it got released, it got a DVD release only in the UK, no Blu-ray. And on like think day two, someone in an Asda store, which if you don't know, and if you're not in the UK, Asda is like the Walmart of the UK. It's um, that's very, very good description. Yeah, that's what my distributor <laughs> that's what my distributor told me when they <laughs> called me, called me after the movie had been out for 24 hours to say, Hey, your movie just got banned from all of the Asda stores in the UK. <laughs> and I was like, Wait, are you wait? What does that mean? What's an Asda? Um, and he's like, It's the basically the Walmart of the UK, and they purchased the most copies of any movie out of any retailer in the UK. Yeah. And your movie had been out for one whole day when a mom complained because her child was looking at the back cover and they found she found it offensive. Oh, so as so as just decided to pull, not like there was a ton of copies, but they pulled like all two or three copies out of every <laughs> as the store in the UK really? and sent them back. Oh, so my distributor was my distributor was pissed. He's like, that's like a, th- a couple thousand copies of the movie that we now can't sell. Yeah. And, I, and I was excited because one with a foreign distribution deal like that, like I get paid up front. So it doesn't matter how many DVDs sell. I yeah. already got, I already got my check and two it just sounded cool. I got, I was banned. Yeah, like, publicity. Yeah. I was, ba- <laughs> I was banned in the UK. Banned from yeah, Asda, man. man. That's brilliant. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. should literally be your tagline on on your socials. Banned from Asda. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I made I made like banners. I made banners that said banned in the UK and so, like for social media back then, because this was 2018, yeah. I think. But uh, but because of that, I didn't know how many people actually saw. It still technically was out, and I had technically bought. Like I wanted to know what the DVD in the UK looked like. Yeah. In in, in my hand, they sent me proofs of it to approve and stuff but i had to go to amazon uk and buy like five copies of my own movie and have them shipped to me just so i could have some so i know it did get a release but i didn't know if anyone had seen it but people had because i actually had people also see me at the show on saturday and then bring copies back on sunday to have me sign them which oh, was that's cool, cool, man. I've, I've got one in. It's in that room there somewhere. I want to go and find yeah, it. His yeah, his mess room. There, there, there is like one right it. behind me. Yeah. Yeah, in, in like the black, the black light room. Yeah, just Be in there. Careful. That's that's the yeah the, the the video room. The mess um, room. Yeah. <laughs> as there as well, because it's just really weird. Because like I actually get a ton of my horror movies from Asda. They've got a really good horror buyer. Like I don't know if you heard of Tesco's. You got all the different supermarkets over here, Sainsbury's. All they all just do the kind of chart shit, but as they always have like a big selection of really random horror stuff, which is great. Yeah, the only, only supermarket left doing it. So yeah, but that's that's funny. You got banned from Asda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's really funny. That's a great story, man. And uh, and like to top it off, so like I said, my distributor was pissed because that was like a lot of money that they could have potentially made, and yeah. then to like take some of the burden off of him, I said, well, hey. I think it was it was like a thousand copies, I, if I remember correctly, or just thereabout that got sent back. And I said, "Well, I'll buy them. I'll buy every copy off you for whatever Asda buys. Oh, like, I, I won't. I won't buy them for retail. But whatever you lost, you know, 
whatever, three bucks, four bucks. I'll buy every single, all 1,000 of them because I don't, that'd be a cool thing to be able to sell here at conventions. Yeah. yeah. And, and they didn't, they wouldn't do it. Like they couldn't figure out, he said he couldn't figure out logistically because of customs and stuff how to do it, which I guess is fair. Yeah. But he said they were actually all going to end up in a dumpster. Oh, yeah. no way. Dumpster yeah. dive. He said they had no way, like they didn't know what else to do with them and they didn't have storage and they're, the way the dis like the way they were set up, like the dis- the distribution company's office wasn't even in the UK, so they didn't even have a place. They didn't want to pay to ship them all the way back to Australia, and it was like they're. I think they're just going to end up in a dumpster. So somewhere in a landfill in the UK, there's a thousand. Hopefully you know somebody, what, man? hopefully Fuck somebody got them out. Like hopefully yeah, yeah. whoever was in charge of putting them in the dumpster was like, oh shit, I could probably sell these on eBay. Like hopefully they exist somewhere and they're not. In a landfill, but I don't know. All because some kid fucking complained. You know what? Fuck that kid. That Actually, way. no. Sorry, that sounds yeah. really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 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 sorry, that sounds so wrong. Yeah, fuck You're... that kid's mum. That could, uh, even that sounds wrong. But yeah, yeah. Oh, you, know, you always get the. Uh... <laughs> I think, I think you just you just got your podcast banned from ASDA. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Dustin. God damn it, Dean. All right, I gotta edit. like get you off of the off the podcast now. Sorry. Yeah. No, but there's always some fucker complaining about something or other, and you know, like there's so many venues, music venues that get shut down because someone's like, "Oh my god, the fucking is too loud," and then the whole venue gets shut down, and it's just it's always people moaning about shit. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yep. Come on. You just sure. have to. The kid doesn't have to watch the bloody thing. But uh, yeah. Oh well. But um, before we jump into any more um pool party massacre talk. I always like to kind of bring back um, our guests to the beginning of where it all kind of started. So if you want to um, enlighten us with your love of filmmaking, acting, and anything of the like, like where did it all begin? Where did it begin? This is where like it gets wavy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, probably like everyone that you have on here, I grew up loving movies Um and loving horror movies as well but i mean just movies in general like my i guess i got that from my family my parents were really big into into watching movies they didn't work in film but um they watched a ton of movies like every weekend we my mom would go rent would rent movies actually to the point that like my mom would rent a stack of movies like every (laughs) thursday or friday and then she would bring them all home and we had, she had two VCRs set up and she would actually re- illegally record them onto blank tapes. Uh, that's and so the like, way. <laughs> yeah. And so like we would, we would watch one movie like as a family or they would pick, I didn't have a choice. They would pick what we would watch Friday night and maybe Saturday, but the other like four or five movies she would just record so that we would have them for during the week or for later. And so that was my whole childhood. There was a wall, like a wall, like, this like you can't oh, wow. see quite quite how big this wall is but it goes all the way down that way oh, wow. and all the way down that way like my childhood there was a a wall like that full of dubbed vhs tapes like you couldn't even buy tapes back then unless you just forgot to return them and you paid 100 bucks but mm. just full of tapes and each tape had two three four movies depending on the runtime and so that was in in my house like i had access to that so when my friends came over that's what we would do is watch a movie because to them it was like having a rental store in my house because we had hundreds and hundreds of movies so i grew up watching movies and fortunately like i my parents are amazing uh i love them to death they're still together they're like they're in their 70s they've been married for 
I don't know, since 1966. I don't know. I can't count, but that's a long time. Yeah. Um, wow. So um, then, and they were great parents, but they fortunately for me, like didn't censor what I watched. Like that wasn't <laughs> something like they wouldn't let me watch porn, but, or I never asked, maybe they would have, but uh, <laughs> they, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't worried about me watching horror movies, like anything that I could rent in a video store. They weren't necessarily worried about it. So on that wall were whatever current, like bigger horror movies were like nightmare on Elm street, Friday the 13th, Halloween. And then, and also like movies like police Academy and Porky's and like coming of age movies that like 10 year old boys shouldn't be watching, but also should be watching. So like all of those movies were up, were up there. So my house became the house where people would come over to watch movies, you know? So, so I grew up watching movies and fascinated with how movies were made, but also never thinking that it was a job, like a job that, I could have like it just it seemed like another world like normal people born in like suburban neighborhoods don't grow up to make movies at least in my mind so I didn't really consider it anything like that but I made movies my parents had a camcorder I would make really dumb like short films and skits and things like that that I'd record with the neighbor kids and I'd blow oh, yeah. up my I'd blow up my G.I. Joe guys and nice. things things like that and then I even to the point where in high school I took a night school like adult education classes on video television production like i would i would leave school and go to another school to take classes on um video television production learning how to edit and shoot and stuff so i guess it i guess it was there like i still didn't think it was going to be a job but i really wanted to know how to do it and that was in an age of like uh where skate videos were really coming to their own and 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 like adding humor and skits and things like that and i skated a lot so i wanted to so that fascinated me. So it was always there, but I didn't really see it as a profession until later in life. Like I wanted to go to, I thought about going to film school and my dad talked me out of it actually. Um, and right smartly, like in hindsight, but at the time I thought he was a dick, oh, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but like he, he just, he's a really smart man and a successful businessman. And he just didn't, he said he didn't really see like the passion in, or at least a specific direction that I had. He's like, you just say you want to go to film school, but you don't even know what you want to do. Do you know how few people come out of film school and actually have a job in film? Yeah. Like it's really small. And I'm sure all of those people are hyper-focused and know what they want to do. You have no clue. You just think (laughs) film school sounds like fun. And so he was right. And he said, how about you get a business degree Cause that's a degree that you could use. Even if you're a filmmaker, you still need to know how to run a business. Cause selling your movie is a business running a yeah. film set is a business. Yeah. And I was like, you're dumb. You don't know anything, dad. I hate you. But, <laughs> but I took his advice and now he's right. Like my having a business background is I think more valuable. And especially cause I started as a producer. It's basically, you're just a manager anyways. Yeah. But yeah, I, I went to college. I got a business degree. I managed nightclubs here in Las Vegas for a while and then one of my employees was going to film school and we would talk about it all the time and like i would ask her to tell me stories and i'd tell her about how that's what i wanted to do and mm. then one day when i left a job i left a job at a nightclub and i told her hey i'm going to take a couple months off work if if you guys if you're working on anything and then you need a pa or anything let me know i'd love to just be on a set 
Yeah. Yeah. And she said, well, actually, I'm working on something right now and we need a PA. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't expect nice. it to happen right now, but okay, let's go. And so she put me in touch. I jumped on. I worked on that. I worked for two weeks on that commercial. And then I kept that producer kept offering me more jobs. And I kept saying, all right, I'll take, I'll do it again, but I have to get a real job again later. I'll do it. I'll do another one, but I have to get a real job again later. I have a house. I got a mortgage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like a year had gone by and I still kept saying, well, I'll yeah, do yeah. another one, but I got to get a real job <laughs> later. You had the bug by that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it was, yeah. And so finally that I did, need to because it didn't pay as well as managing nightclubs on the las vegas strip obviously um it, the point came where i needed to say hey i need to get a real job again and that producer offered me a, a salaried producer job and so he, he he looked at me and he said how much how much money did you make managing the last nightclub and i told him and he said what if I could offer you one half of that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it'll be a lot of fun. And I was like, ah, shit, okay. So then I, I've been doing it ever since. And at that time, I had just gotten married. And I remember I kept telling my my now ex-wife, but um, I'm like, I'll still, I'll get a real job again someday. Or, or, <laughs> If money's ever tight, I'll get a real job. 50 years uh, from now. <laughs> oh, I guarantee it. And that's probably why, that's why she's not around anymore, probably because money was always tight because i'm a filmmaker and, yeah. uh, but i never wanted to stop doing it because it's what i love so well you had the passion for it and and you still do and that's that's great that's one thing you can never really take for granted is having passion for something and then giving up on it so for you to continue with that and creating something and it being huge even like so many years later it's the people still talking about it people still discovering it and you going to conventions and people re like recognizing you like Dean all the way in the UK. That's, that's huge, dude. It's Fucking it's huge. It's crazy. Like I still can't wrap my head around it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's really strange, but it's awesome. I mean, I don't take that fun, for granted. Yeah. I don't take that for granted at all. It's amazing. So, and I'm just a fan. Like I'm a, I'm a horror fan. Like I was going to conventions as a fan. And I still go as a fan. I was at For the Love of Horror in the UK as yeah, a fan. Like I wasn't. Like, so many people that we speak to actually say that as well. Like we were, we were chatting with uh, Damien. I, I can never get his surname right, but Damien Maffei. The guy that was in Haunt, Maffei, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Strangers and whatnot. And he was saying exactly the same thing because we were talking about conventions and him going around doing conventions and stuff. And he was like, I'm, I'm just a fan, just like you guys. And I was, you know, before I started being on the other side of the fence, you know, I was just going to conventions as a fan. And he says, yeah, I can't get my head around it. It's really weird that I'm kind of now on the other side, but, you know, I hate that kind of business side of things. You know, I just want to be there and be a nerd, just kind of, you yeah. know, talk nerdy shit to people. And, 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 he said, and that's, that's what I love. <laughs> and he, I know Damien and he is like, he's definitely a real horror fan and he's definitely a real nerd. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't, he doesn't look it, I mean, if you look at him, he doesn't look like a horror fan. He doesn't have long yeah. hair and a beard, and he's not wearing a he's not wearing a, 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 a yeah or me he's not wearing a denim a, a denim vest with a bunch of patches on it. But I mean, he could go toe to toe with anyone about like uh, deep cut horror trivia and stuff like that. Like he's a yeah he's he's a real fan. Yeah, so, and he's a, and he's a funny guy. Oh, yeah, man. man. Uh, Dean, I'll let you throw uh, a few questions. I know you got some of it. Yeah, man. So, like, what, what, 
some of the kind of challenges with like indie filmmaking, you know, obviously there's like finding the budgets for stuff, you know, how do you get your crews together? Do you kind of rope in a bunch of friends or, you know, when, when you're uh, kind of casting, you know, do you have, do you, when you write stuff, do you have, you know, people in mind that you write for, or do you kind of hold sort of proper auditions? You know, how, what's that kind of process that. Well, I mean, there's different, I suppose there are different tiers. I guess it depends like in the beginning for sure. When you're self when you're self-financing and you're just kind of making things yeah um like gorilla style like pool party massacre for instance was completely yeah. self-funded it ended up costing about six thousand dollars total that right. myself oh, really yeah Ooh, I, was, I was gonna mention that but i wasn't sure i'm always, I always find that oh i always kind of find it a little bit like rude to say how much did that cost <laughs> but you know it's at the same time it's interesting to know what the budget is you know especially if it's self-funded like how much did that cost to make that you beautiful know? film yeah of course. And it's a, it, some people get offended by that question. And I think there's kind of a, I think it's dying off a little bit now, but there used to be like this feeling that you had to lie and you needed to like puff up your budget because you didn't want people to know that you yeah. made it for so little because well, one, the logic was that a if a distributor knows you made it for 10,000, then they're only going to offer you 10,000. If they think you made it for a hundred thousand, they'll offer you, which I don't think is accurate at all. I think a distributor yeah. is just trying to figure out how to make money. I mean, maybe yeah. they calculated into it, but I I've worked on movies that like, I worked on a movie that was $200,000. And I remember the director saying, you can't tell anyone that this costs less than a million. Wow. Wow. We're, we're telling everyone it was a million. And I thought, man, I would tell everyone it was 20,000. And then they would think it was the best looking $20,000 movie in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah my, right. mind, my mind goes the other way, but um, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when you're making a movie that's six thousand dollars, and and so like myself and my uh, producing partner Brian, who sh he shot the movie and edited it and co-produced it with me, like we just split that and started making a movie. So when you're on that like that level, you start yeah. call you do you call friends like you just said you call friends, yeah. um, and again like you th I appreciate thank you the comments the compliments on the movie and how good it looks for six thousand dollars, but. You have to remember at that point, I had already been working in production, producing commercials for 10, 15 years at that point. Yeah, definitely shows, so, man. Early, and, my, sure. and my whole network, like Brian, my partner who shot it, I mean, he had been shooting commercials and corporate videos for 10 or 15 years at that point and owned all, he was, I mean, owned his own production company. So, I mean, I had access to people very very talented people that i had or become friends with and had given work to over the years that were willing to help me as opposed to the average person that you know if you work at starbucks and you love horror and you want to make a horror movie you probably don't happen to know 10 kick-ass cinematographers that owe you favors and yeah. and every other person so i had an, an unfair advantage but i certainly wasn't afraid to tap into it either um so i was able to call people like brian and and all the other and like my friend thanos to do sound and my friend katie to do some makeup and they all were happy to help for the most part and so i was able to make it look like it cost a lot more than six thousand yeah. dollars but but also the this movie like pool party massacre i i always wanted to make a movie and i would joke about it on set with all these talented people that i would be on commercial sets with all the time and we would talk about, I mean, everyone that went to film school went to film school because they want to make a movie. 
Like yeah. nobody, nobody goes to film school because they want to make corporate videos. Yeah. Like everyone has the dream of making a movie. Most of them never do, but that's still why they went to film school. And so these people that I know that went to film school and are really talented, all I would always ask them, why, why haven't you made a movie? Why haven't you made a movie? Yeah. And the general consensus was they were all just afraid to fail. I'm not that they would say that in those words, but that's what I got yeah. from it. Is they're they're afraid that they're going to make a movie and it's not going to be good. And that mm. in their mind, that means they've wasted four years in college and 10 years in the business. And mm. that's not the right way to think about art. Like you can't go yeah, into it with that mindset. You can't be, I mean, you can't be afraid to fail. And that's the biggest advantage I had was I couldn't give a shit about failing. Like yeah. I'm, I mean, I fail every day of my life at something and you learn, I know that you learn from it and you, and you pick yourself up and you move along. And especially exactly. with art, I mean, just cause someone doesn't like it, it doesn't make you a failure anyways. Like making the movie is the success, like yeah, finishing exactly. the project is the success beyond that. You know, that's just, that's gravy as they say. Um, so I work with all these talented people that all want to make movies and never did. So I started saying that I was going to, and uh, one day, Brian, who I mentioned, who shot the film, uh, called me and said, hey, man, I got a new camera package. Uh, it's amazing. For the time, it was great. And he he was telling me so that I would hire him and rent, you know, for, <laughs> for commercial stuff. But he finished the conversation by saying, and I'd love to shoot a feature film on it. So if you know anyone with a script, I would probably shoot a feature for free. Oh, just wow. so I could just so I could shoot a feature with this new camera package because I'm so excited about it. So I immediately lied and said I have a that I have a script. And, <laughs> oh. and he's like, he's like, you do? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, re it's ready to go. Like, you want to shoot a feature for free, you should shoot it for me. Um yeah. and he said, Okay, we'll send send it over. So I, I said, All right, let me like uh let me polish it up a little. I haven't I let me dust it off and I'll send it to you in a couple days. And I locked myself in my office and I wrote Pool Party Massacre in like That's great, two man. or three days. I and I that. sent it over to him, at least the first draft. And he sent it back and he loved it. And was like, this is rad. Oh, that, yeah, let's yeah. make let's make this movie. How do we do this? Like, I'll shoot it, but what do we, you know, what do we need to do? And so we started putting the pieces together. And on that phone call, it was funny. I I had just in in my old house, um, people would rent sometimes or I'd let them use or they'd rent my backyard. I had a really nice pool and they would use it uh, for photo shoots to shoot like sexy girls, usually <laughs> like, like under the waterfall. And there was a photo shoot that either that day or the day before. And I remember the, when the photographer came and they were setting up, she asked if, you know, what, if she needed to pay me or anything. And I said, no, you're, you know, you're a friend. You don't have to pay me, but let, when you're done, let me know. I want to jump in the last photo. Like I want to be in a photo in the background so I could just throw it on Instagram or whatever. And so she knocked on the slider and said, Hey, we're, we're wrapping up. You want to jump in a photo? And I looked and there was this friend of mine, this girl, this model in the pool in a bikini. And I said, yeah, give me one minute. And I ran to my closet and I had a blue like mechanics jumpsuit in my closet, of course. And I put it on and I grabbed an ax out of my garage and I climbed into the pool and I just stood like waist deep in the water behind this model. And she took a couple pictures and I thought it was funny. That's and I awesome. posted and I posted them to Instagram thinking nothing of it. And and I had made a comment to her. She was like, Oh my God, these pick these pictures look like they would be an ad for a movie. And I was like, Yeah, like pool party massacre. And I just said it jokingly. And then fast forward like the next day, 
I lie, I lied to Brian that I have a script and he said, what's it called? And I said, pool party massacre. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Oh, I like it. It's catchy. And so then I, then I was stuck with it and I ran and I, I wrote it. Uh, but it had still evolved. I mean, obviously it changed from that very first draft, but it even evolved. Like at that point, Brian had like a, it was like three weeks or a month off because he was moving. And that's when he wanted to shoot the movie. And in order for us to hurry up and make it, we couldn't have made what exists now. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's just make a, a no budget movie. Like my first idea was to make it, I think for $10, I'm like, we'll make a $10 movie. That'll be our sales pitch. It only costs $10 <laughs> and I'll, and I'll play every character. So yeah, like, that, well, yeah. And that, and so that really was my initial pitch. Like with that script was like, I'll play every, I'll put on a wig and I'll play every character. It'll be so stupid, but <laughs> But it'll be funny. It'll be this weird ten dollars movie where I'm every female character and every male character, like a being John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, but then it yeah, then as as we like as I like revisited the script and polished it up more and more and more. Like we started to like it more and more and realize like wait, this actually could be a fun. We don't have to make it that stupid. Like it can still be stupid, but we can make a real movie. And so then we decided to have auditions and cast other real act actors and actresses and take it a little more serious than a $10 movie. And that's how it evolved into the $6,000 movie that it is now. Amazing. And it's beautiful. It's funny, wacky, bloody. It's got a really cool ending. Uh, I'll tell you what as well. I think it's got one of the best front cover artwork. It's so it pops. That's another thing. The colors on yeah. it are great. I love it's... those colors, man. I, I love. I just love that whole design. It's really. It's got that real eighties horror kind of vibe. Yeah, thank you. It, it, it would look really fucking good on a bottle of hot sauce. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would. Can you imagine? If only I knew somebody that made hot sauce. <laughs> Hell no, yeah, seriously, man. the artwork for that is. Uh, I love it, man. And I think that's one of the things. You know, when I saw the artwork, I was like, right, what's that about? That looks great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was the. I mean, and that was the goal that was with the artwork, at least that was, that was the point. I mean, even with the movie, I'm a huge fan of eighties horror. I grew, I mean, I grew up, I was a kid in the eighties watching those movies from that wall I described in my house and also going to rent movies too, like just based on VHS box art. So I love eighties horror and slashers and like kind of the, like the campy nonsensical tone yeah. to a lot of them. And so I wanted to capture that with pool party massacre, but I didn't want to make an eighties. I didn't want it to be a period piece, yeah. mostly be mostly because I'm a producer at heart. And I know that that's extra work and that costs more money. Yeah. Um, so that was the real reason, but also I just wanted to try to capture the spirit. So I wanted to make a modern slasher, but kind of in that not, not same, yeah in that same tone and feel which some people seem to think that that i pulled off which is great but to like the icing on the cake was to have the art match the tone that i was trying to create and so that's why i really wanted it to be look like an 80s vhs cover and i also like working in marketing for 15 years like i also understand the value yeah. of of marketing and good key art so i found mark schoenbach of sadist arts who did the did the art i saw his art actually i think it's right there i don't know mm-hmm. kill kill granny kill um <laughs> nice if i can reach it kill so, granny kill yeah <laughs> oh, so yeah. he did this art that's so oh, sick. yeah yeah this is amazing 
Great movie. Okay. You should track it down. Uh, we'll Jacob do. I'll, I'll note that. Jacob uh, Jacob Ennis, the director. You should have him on here too, actually. He's a super talented guy. He made Kill Granny Kill, but he also just uh, made or is still making The Art of Killing, which I'm in. Um, oh, hell yeah. I'm so, definitely going to be watching that. Yeah. Kill so, Granny Kill. Uh, I'm writing but, that down, man. I need to see Kill Granny Kill. But I, I yeah. saw that art and was like, oh my God. That's yeah. amazing. This, this VHS box is amazing. Yeah. When was this made? And then I learned it was a very recent indie horror film. And I tracked down the artist and I reached out to him. And he that's who ended up doing Pool Party Massacre. So, and that was an important, really important piece of the puzzle to me was to have great art. Yeah. yeah. It helps yeah. a lot. And it definitely has, you know, throughout the whole years and people recognize it. I recognize it. I love the color scheme on it. It's beautiful. Um, it's it is and he's like we came up with kind of the concept and the idea together i actually happen to have a copy right here there yeah. it is. but um like we kind of came up with the concept and the idea together but the colors and and obviously the the beauty of it are all mark like yeah, he's super talented and so and i and it's also i mean it's an amazing piece of art but also like there's some like i guess some kind of some luck in it too that it ended up having some staying power and that people really remember it and latched onto it. And so uh, all things kind of a, the stars kind of aligned there and I was able to use it to my advantage. He's working on the, the art for pool party massacre two right now, actually. Oh, hell so, yes. there's a number two? There's yeah. A number well, two? it's hell not, yes. it's not, it's not made yet. If oh, there's any, man. if there's any of the, any fans or backers listening, they've been waiting a long time. I actually was supposed to start shooting it right before everything shut down. So like it's been on hold for it's been on hold for almost three years now or whatever two and a half years. That's amazing. I'm excited. Oh, sorry, Drew. Yeah, go. No, no. I'm just gonna say I'm excited to finally like actually make it in 2023. I'm excited to fucking watch it when it comes out. Like I'm I'm so pumped for that. And oh my god, are you gonna still do the same six thousand dollar (laughs) budget? No. Well. Well, I did a I did an Indiegogo right before COVID, and that was like my goal was twelve thousand because that was the whole joke. Was it's part two? Is we should double. We are we're gonna double the budget. We're yeah. gonna double the kills, and we're gonna double how stupid it is. That was like my whole pitch. Um, and it's and then we're still gonna. We actually ended up raising a little over twenty thousand, which is amazing. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a little bigger of a budget, and a lot more kills and a lot more blood. I think that was my pitch was more blood and more boobs and more stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's I great. Think, I think yeah. that's what I said. <laughs> there's, um, a, there's a I, lot of fans. Of, there's a lot of fans of that movie over here as well. Like oh, I know a lot of people yeah. who love Paul Party Massacre. Jason, um, who does a lot of artwork for me, does a lot of my beer can artwork. Uh, he does a lot of kind of comic book artwork. He's a really good artist. He's doing a lot of art for the podcast. He fucking loves that movie, man. Really. Yeah, he loves that film. When we told him, like, hey, we you got Drew Marbury coming on the on the show, he's like, Man, I love Drew Marbury. <laughs> so he loves that. Yeah, like he follows you online, he follows all your videos and stuff. And yeah, he loves that movie. Yeah, he'll be listening to this as well. So yeah, man, blow him a kiss. <laughs> thank thank you, Jason. Yeah. And the thing is too, like this movie is it is wacky, but it's also a comfort movie for me too. Um, over the past couple of weeks, um, you know, gearing up for having you on here. I just had it on in the background, and every time I looked at it, I was like, "Wow, this movie is is great. It's beautiful. It's it's wacky, 
seeing you in it too was just, mm-hmm. it's really really funny so i wanted to ask you how how was it having to direct it and act at the same time uh it was interesting i mean i hadn't i mean it was the first feature that i directed so jumping right and i directed some commercials before that and a couple short films but it was the first feature that i'd ever directed so it was really the first time i had ever done both and eat and do them simultaneously uh but i wrote the script knowing that i was directing it and that i was playing that role so i mean it was all i i catered to i made it as easy as possible for me, I guess you could say. So I didn't have the same difficulty that someone would have if they're a lead in a movie and they're directing themselves, which I guess I'll find out in part two, because now now that the killer is revealed for part two, uh, I don't have that. I'm I will be in it. Spoiler alert. I'll be in it for the whole for the whole movie. And so in the first oh, yeah. one, I I was able to even use body doubles like there's some scenes where that is where you'll see the killer's body and it isn't even me. So because all you see is a, a shape walk by or a hand or the jumpsuit or one time one of the the kill, if you just watched it recently, you might remember the the crazy like Belgian old lady neighbor yeah. that's like having a tea party with her doll. So <laughs> so that whole scene was added after that. It was never in the script. The movie was almost completely shot. We were pretty much done. And I was working um, as a producer on a Belgian TV show that came to Vegas to shoot for like a month. And it was this crazy concept of a show that I think there were a couple versions around Europe, but actually there's one in UK. It was actually from the UK. It was called 50 ways to kill your mom. It was the name of the show in the UK and they were doing a Belgian version, but basically it's a celebrity. And this guy was a big celebrity in Belgium. Um, He takes his mom, his adorable old mom and puts her through all these crazy adventures basically is what it is they're not really trying to kill her but but anyway so each episode they make her do one or two crazy things to take her out of her comfort zone and it's a great concept i guess the one in the uk was a fairly popular show but so they were came to vegas to shoot and like they made they made her go skydiving oh wow uh, they made her do like ride on a back of a Harley with like an, a motorcycle gang for like <laughs> three hours across the desert. And she had to, she had to eat a scorpion and things like that. And and while we were working on it, and I was helping arrange all these things for them while they were here. Uh, some, one of the producers had worked with me previously when they came into town for a different show and remembered that I was going to be making a horror movie and she brought it up and I said, yeah, we're actually pretty much done. And they had a meeting that night and came back the next day and said, is there any way that that we can have her in your movie and get killed in like an American horror movie? Like this would be the, like I, this would be the best thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> and I was like, why? Well, I, I mean, I'm d- done with the movie, but let me, yeah, I think I could make that work. And so I went home that night and wrote that, figured out how I could somehow add this lady into the movie and I came up with that scene. That's why there's no other actors or actresses from the movie in it because it was totally after the fact. And I just, just added that, added that little thing in. And then they were filming it simultaneously for the TV show, which is even weirder because there's my little crew making this little movie. And then there's this giant crew on like three with like three Ari cameras and a full 
G&E setup and everything filming us making this tiny little movie. So I had to have a body double for that day too, just because I needed to also be on camera as the director of the movie, directing this woman that didn't speak English. <laughs> whose celebrity, whose celebrity son was there laughing as she takes That's a pic- pickaxe to the top of her head and blood's running down her face. And so That's great. That's great. it was, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. That, yeah, that scene is really, really wacky and funny. But everything in that scene is not me. Like when the killer, anytime you see the killer, it's not, it's not me. It's my friend Gus, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, Dean, go asking, ahead. You can I, throw I was, some. Yeah, I was just going to say, I remember uh, asking you when I was at the convention, I said, there's a, there's a scene in the film that absolutely cracked me up as well when, they pick the phone up and um it comes up with this like enormous cock and it's just true <laughs> <laughs> i remember asking you i was like you're talking about body parts that weren't yours and i remember saying dude was that was that like actually <laughs> yeah. i think i remember you saying that you were kind of just um scrolling to find some <laughs> some dick pic somewhere that I, <laughs> yeah that and that was actually another thing that wasn't in the script um like that that character who's phone and the like it's her phone i think her character's name was kelly was played by my what my wife at the time so and so i wrote it in the script that her boyfriend that you never see his name was drew because i thought it was funny and they're all talking shit about drew being a nerd yeah, who yeah, like yeah. collects toy, <laughs> toys or whatever and so that was just like an inside joke that i thought was funny but then on set after we killed her and the phone was on the ground there was just, I was just thinking of extra insert shots to have them post. And I was like, Oh, we should get a shot of the phone on the floor with like in a pool of blood. Cause she was just on the phone. And then I was like, well, shit, there should be something on the phone. And I was like, Oh, I got it. Drew will call her. Like yeah. he'll be call- calling her back. And then I was like, and it just snowballed. And I'm like, Oh, well <laughs> it should be a picture of Drew. Like when he's calling, but who would it be? It can't be me. Cause since I'm the killer. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh wait, what if it's just his dick? <laughs> so then I had to like find a, a dick that we could use. And yeah. so, yeah, I Googled, I, with all of the town, the makeup artists, the crew, everyone just sitting on the couch and my, we shot it at my parents' house. So this yeah. is in my parents' living room. My mom's making sandwiches for everyone. And I'm, googling dick pics on my yeah. phone Probably trying to find well. yeah trying to find the the best dick that also wasn't recognizable so that i wouldn't get sued someday and yeah. uh and i stumbled on that beauty and it, <laughs> that's awesome and there it is and i, I wish it was mine <laughs> it's, it's mine in my heart though <laughs> you can tell like with them um, because obviously you're really active on social media and you're always coming up with some really funny as fuck videos man oh yeah so yeah you can tell that you've, you're really good at writing comedy stuff you know um skits uh the murder size um with the with the leotard and uh, I, I was watching <laughs> I ne- i'd never seen uh that butter video with the oh, guy the butter one? <laughs> danzig tune like the uh, butter I, I never said i'm guessing that was just a, a video that kind of went viral and then i saw your take on it where you was kind of looking in the fridge and i was just like man that's brilliant you know so uh yeah i love all those little skits you do they're great that yeah. was the best that was the best thing i've ever made is that butter video yeah that took off that one man <laughs> it did and it's and it was it's just i i stumbled on that guy or actually i didn't stumble on it a friend of mine chris sent it to me was like have you seen this guy singing butter yet yeah. and i watched it and i thought it was hilarious like instantly was like this guy 
is yeah. amazing. And he actually well, is. He has, Danzig, man. He's, he's got a great, man. yeah, he's got a great voice, like super talented guy. But yeah. um, I loved it so much that I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do something with this. Like everyone else on social media on TikTok, like takes other people's videos and duets it or whatever the hell yeah. it's called. So I was yeah, like, right. I gotta be, you know, ahead of the. I gotta catch up to the times, and I'm like, this, I'm gonna do this. Oh yeah, and I then you I was just bored, part, man. and I was just bored like all in like an hour. Yeah, my, my kids left for an hour, and I was home alone, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay, what what can I do? And I next thing I know, I was had a phone in the fridge, and I shot that little video, and then I like didn't look at it for a couple of days, and all of a sudden, I had four million views. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. How did yeah. you get the did you did you did you carve out the butter swamp at the end of no it well? I actually had just bought that like it was at the grocery store and like That's two crazy. days two days before that I was at the grocery store with my daughter and she said and she showed it to me she said can yeah. we please get this butter turkey and I was like, like why why for Thanksgiving yeah, yeah. and this was after Thanksgiving so it was on clearance they had like a stack of them for like 99 cents because nobody wanted them after Thanksgiving so I my daughter really wanted it so I bought it and we it was just happened to be in the fridge. I was meant to be, man. <laughs> it was. It was. The, and per- was, the, per- the perfect prop for that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And now since then, he's re- he reached out to me, who was singing it, and said he loved it, that it was his favorite take on any of his... He's on TikTok and has... Oh, just He's like a the new Weird Al. Like, he just does music parody, song parodies, shirtless right, right. in his room. Um, but he, he said that was the best that video that anyone's done with his like usually people just do reaction videos or whatever but but um oh i just got a weird sorry my computer just freaked out there we go it needed to update my adobe (laughs) i thought i lost you guys because it was like we need to update your adobe oh no you're good um so talking about social media you were just being santa for an entire month how was that yeah jesus (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's every December now for for a while, um, I guess because of my look. I, I end up playing Santa a lot. I mean, I've played Santa in a handful of commercials and short films anyways over the years. And in the movie Axmas 2, I played Santa. Um, and so this Christmas was no different. I played Santa in a couple music videos um i did some more photo shoots and then i got cast in the movie x x xmas um which hasn't shot yet but it's a i get to play santa in that so with the, with that being announced i shot a bunch of promo stuff for that in the santa suit and i don't know i just kind of like become santa and i i ended up doing these like i called it trash bag <laughs> santa where i was like a i was like a homeless santa that made his little did, did santa photos in his like alley behind where his cardboard box um and so i did a bunch of those where i just invited friends and family to come over and take portraits with trash bag santa so yeah i was santa a lot oh yeah man you should be a santa all year round i love the concept behind that um triple x xmas yeah Um, it's me too Uh, i'm really excited about it i mean it's what's happening with that is it kind of is like a gofundme campaign or yeah 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 so there's a there's an Indiegogo going on right now. Okay. Um, if if anyone's interested, you can go to xxx-moss.com. I'll also link it in the description as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so, yeah, it's currently getting uh, funded shooting in the beginning. I mean, that's shooting fairly soon, a couple months. 
Um, but the basic synopsis that you'd get from the Indiegogo video is that there is a group of adult film stars making a Christmas themed porno when uh, the a- actual Santa Claus comes flying down from the North Pole and uh, <laughs> decides to p- punish them all um, for their sins against Christmas by uh, murdering them. Oh, and yeah, all, man. That's all, a great uh, concept. Yeah. Come on, man. That's, I mean, that's so it's it's Santa versus the porn stars. So, Perfect. and it's fun. It's a really funny, it's a funny script and it's got a lot of cool people attached and um, and the director, James Dean, is doing, like, he did a good job with the script, but he's also doing a good job of making sure because it's adult film, it's sex workers and adult film stars in the movie okay. that he's ca- casting actual sex workers and adult film stars to play those roles so that they can help him understand like you know the intricacies of it but also just that he doesn't say or do something incorrectly um mm. and res- and respects them as the the people that they are because yeah we we are pro sex work over here for sure yeah yeah me too and so and i and obviously because of what i do i, I work in indie horror i i mean a lot of, a lot of my friends are, are sex workers and work in adult film so it's totally normal to me and sometimes i forget um that outside of our bubble that it's not yeah so it was great when i it was when i first read the script it was important to me to make sure that it was done in a i was gonna say tasteful way the movie itself i mean it's santa killing a bunch of porn stars so it sounds (laughs) weird to say that but i just mean the 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 treatment of the profession more so and i guess we don't have to worry about offending santa claus yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that's awesome. There's a lot of cool stuff in the works. Yeah, I'm excited for all. Um, but besides those projects, is there anything else that you got cooking up there that you want to do? I want to do everything. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just love creating. I just had a meeting right before this, actually, with a cinematographer friend of mine who wants to start directing, and that awesome. was kind of that was kind of my response. He has a couple things in the works and one of them is with bruce campbell which is pretty exciting oh um, and he just asked what what i what i would want to do on any of the projects he mentioned and i just told him any basically anything i just love creating i don't care what my title is and it doesn't matter to me like he asked if i needed to be the director is basically what he was getting at and i said no i just want to i just want to create i just want to make movies i don't care what my title is or my role is i just want to be a part of it um, I mean, there's certain, certainly things that I might be better suited at, or might be able to be more helpful, but it doesn't matter to me, which I don't care. So, um, with that being said, I just love to create. So I'll be making a ton more really stupid social media videos. I'm sure just cause those are things I can do in my house. Um, and they're all and with- great. They're all funny. This, no. y- your personality, um, on there and just like coming through and talking to you is it's so bright and and so welcoming too, and warm, and it's it's so funny, and I I love oh, you dude. as a person. Like you, well, oh, you just I thank don't know. you. Just Definitely the way one of my you... favorite people in the horror community, man. I love, yeah, I love yes. yeah. It's just how you yeah. like emote, um, even like without talking and just like doing silly things. It's so uplifting, and it it makes me want to do more. So I thank you for that, and also being oh, man creative and and making movies and stuff it's awesome and being able to chat with you is definitely an honor oh thank you i wish my girlfriend was here right now to hear all of this (laughs) because she probably disagrees with all of it no um (laughs) 
but I'll tell her. Don't worry. As soon as we get off here, I'll let her know how great I am. <laughs> um, but no, thank you. I appreciate it. And you'll you'll probably be sick of me by the end of this year, just with all the stuff I'm going to be doing. Oh hell no, like, man! I we we actually her and I just recently um, were talking about what because I've been working on a lot lately, or over the past year or two. Um, what I had coming up and made a list of all the movies that I acted in that haven't been released yet. And there were 16, oh, 16 wow. feature films. Yeah. So that's a lot. I don't know how many of them will actually come out in 2023. Hopefully all of them, um, probably not all 16, but that would be amazing. I and will plus keep my we- eye out for sure. I yeah, see, yeah. I was, I was trying to keep a tabs on all the stuff that you're doing, and there was—is it Killer Popcorn? Is it one called? Yeah, so Killer Popcorn. It's gone through a couple. That's—I'm pretty sure that's the name that's going to stick. It was called Mini Mall Massacre when I first joined it five yeah. years ago, I think it was. Um, but and then it was Popcorn Killer. But I'm pretty—I think Killer Popcorn is what's going to stick. So that's my oh. friend, my friend Trevor. That's his first movie. Uh, he produced it and wrote most of it he co-wrote it but he um it's just a a huge film nerd he actually owned the last movie rental store in las vegas for i think it was eight for like eight years and it finally closed during right before covid but he just loves movies and he's the one that introduced me to kill granny kill like i would go into his store and he'd have like more movies that he would find he was obsessed with indie horror and so he knew even more about it than i did and he always wanted to make a movie. So finally he, he did. And that's what uh killer popcorn is. So it, oh, it's yeah. a cool, like in the vein, for sure. In the vein of a trauma movie, like he loves trauma. And so it's has the wackiness of a trauma movie. Um, definitely a lot of eighties horror and a spirit, but it's like, a, it's a monster movie. It's like a nerdy kid that gets bullied and picked on by, he works in a video store and they shot it in his video store, but all the other people in the mini mall, uh pick on him and everyone in the store and i play like a mascot for a uh weed dispensary that's like next door oh hell yeah <laughs> and so like all the other stores in the mini mall have mascots that like hold signs out in front to direct so there's like a thai restaurant and a foot, <laughs> a foot massage place and a, and so anyways all of us mascots like pick on him and then he turns into a a monster kind of like a toxic avenger-esque and uh murders all of us yeah. and oh, so yeah, dude but goes back and forth, like then turns back into his normal self. And so it's, it's funny. I'm dying to see it. I haven't actually seen, I've only seen footage, but uh, it's like 99.9% done. So I'm supposed to be able to that he's making another movie uh, and we called ruthless and it's uh, supposed to shoot next month. And I'm in that too. I get to play a male prostitute. And awesome. so, I told him I need to see the movie before I, I'm like, before I'll agree to be in your next movie, I want to see the other one, which is not, which is not true. I'll, I would do it anyways, but I just want to see the movie. And staying active. That's, that's great. And really, I'm, you know, pushing that passion of yours. I'm, I'm very excited to see everything you're I, a part of. Dude, I'm, I'm trying. So yeah, with that and XX, Xmas is shooting soon. I just got a text today from a good friend of mine, uh, an actress who's her and her husband are making movies asked if I would play some kind of a, a psychotic, a psycho clown in her, in a movie next month. I don't know anything else about that. It was the text I literally just got, but Hell yeah. I, was, I was like, I already answered. I already said, yes. Amazing. That's kind of the killer so. popcorn. Yeah. It's a bit Kansas, 
sorry, it's really late here. I can't talk properly. <laughs> so, so, sounds a bit uh, full moon esque as well. It does, and that's and that's, and that's definitely the vein. You know, those are the movies that Trevor loves, oh, and it's definitely, ones. it's definitely in that. And then they and they put together something really cool, like the the monster effects for the kid Orville, who's this skinny little kid in in real life. Um, when he turns in the monster, it's this giant, giant Hulk of a, a man that's the actor, but his head is like a popcorn box and there's actually popcorn on top of it. Oh, that's everything. so funny. Really cool. Um, the effects artist Miranda did a really good job with the, with that. Like she sculpted that and created that. It's, it's really cool. Wow. So I I'm, I'm excited about that one. And I, and I get to be a wacky, like I'm going to dress like the statue of Liberty. Oh and, hell yes. Yeah. Man, I'm excited just to yeah, see that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I, and I get a good kill. So Yeah. I'm excited. There's other other cool like the barn too just came out on physical media. I don't, it hasn't hit streaming yet, I don't think, but uh, I'm in the barn too. Um, that's another one I'm really excited to see kind of hit the hit the world when it when it gets a wider release. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to see if I can pick up a copy of that and, and definitely watch that. Yeah, it's definitely that's available through Scream Team. The director Justin uh, has his own distribution company called Scream Team Releasing, and so the barn two and the barn one and a. And a bunch and other movies that I'm in, like he actually released 13 Slays till Christmas. I have a short in that 1031 part two. I have a short in that. So. Awesome. Awesome. Dean, do you have any uh, last questions or anything before? Uh, we, uh... Yeah. yeah, man. So oh, like convent, we kind of talked a bit about like convention life earlier on. Um, have you got anything lined up? Any sort of conventions to go to as a guest? Or are you going to kind of wait until? party massacre 2 comes around or some of these movie movies comes out like do you and do you like being on the road do you like kind of getting out there and just kind of mingling yeah i love i mean that's i live for it i love being on the road i love being at conventions or film festivals and it really i mean if i could afford to just do that forever i would um because it's it's i I feel like that's where i belong i'm like a carny i guess (laughs) Um, in a way and that and and that's my those are my friends and and like my people so i definitely love it i had planned on doing very little or no conventions in 2023 it was just something that i that i thought would help me um be more productive because i really want to i want to make more like the last few years Mm -hmm. i've just been acting in other people's films which is great and i love doing that but i i haven't made anything of my own in a few years now, other than the the short for 13 slaves till Christmas, um, which is great, but that was in the height of COVID. And I made it like a two person crew with my kids being the only two actors. And we shot it in my daughter's bedroom. Like it was a really small, it was great. And it, it means more than probably any of the other things for those reasons, but also it was that small. We shot it in one night. So other than that, I haven't made anything of my own in years. So I really wanted to like I had set a goal for myself to direct four features in 2023, which oh, wow. is, pr- which is pretty lofty, but I, in pool party massacre two being one of them, um, I think I can pull it off. So I'm still hoping that that's the case. So I have a couple things in the works other than pool party massacre two to hopefully that I'll get done directing this year. Um, so, so I thought not going to conventions would help that, but also um, I just felt like maybe it would help me, also to take a break like i do so many conventions and i'm so 
available that I thought maybe taking a year off and then having all these movies come out and me making a couple more movies, it might help my career. Like stepping yeah. back and looking at it from a business standpoint, I thought it might help, but I also can't resist it. So then like <laughs> when I had an opportunity to get a, a booth for the very first time at Texas Frightmare, which is something I've all, I go every year, but I've never actually had my own table um so when i got that opportunity i couldn't say no so now i definitely am going to be at texas frightmare oh yeah and then and then then it's like okay well then also cult classic convention in texas all my friends are going to be there and they want me to come so then i'm like okay well i guess i'll do that one and then so now it's yeah it seems like every couple weeks there's another like okay well i guess i could do that and so it just kind of you know s- snowballs into it and then my girlfriend works works with or for um mad monster party which is one of the biggest conventions in the country um and so they have several they have uh two in charlotte north carolina and one in in arizona yeah. and so so oh, yeah. it's like well I, so i'm like well i guess i'll probably go to those yeah and then yeah. now now all of a sudden i'm at a convention every month again and I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not supposed to. You need to come to Salem Horror Fest. Need to. Oh, I would love to come to Salem Horror Dean Fest. will be there. We um, are planning something with the festival director there. Um, That's something. right. When is it? Is it in October still? Uh, moved it to April. So April. April 20th through the 30th. But it used to be in October, right? Yeah. Uh, Kay she moved it to get away from the craziness. Oh, so she's not doing the October one, just the April one? Just the April one, yeah. Oh, why? Okay. okay. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, I have a film festival, Sun City Horror Fest. And when we started it, whatever it was, six or seven years ago, we wanted it in October because it was a, a horror film festival and in Sin City. But now we've also realized that it doesn't need to be and everyone's trying to do everything in October horror yeah. related and then add make it in Salem. And obviously it's Salem is I've never been there, but. I've tried to go multiple Octobers and not been able to because it's so crazy. I couldn't even find a place to stay. Yeah, I live in Massachusetts, so I'm I'm fairly close there. But yeah, it's a pain in the ass. But with it being in April, and it's so much easier for the people who want to attend. Um, yeah, and you can do it for longer. You can have the shops open um, longer. Not so many people there. So, but if you're thinking of going to a festival just to kind of hang around. And uh, and maybe see some awesome vendors like uh, Dean over there. Um, that's definitely a place to be. <laughs> well, I'll have to I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I will send you the the website link to. Yeah, this. send it to me, and I'll see who else, like I wonder who else will be like they have guests and everything. Is it is it a film festival too? Yeah, it's a film festival. This is the first year a... that Kay is like expanding it to actually have vendors and okay. more guests. So it's going to be biggest one yet. I'm okay. excited because <laughs> that's I remember it as a film festival because I remember I, I think it was like the very first one like Ryan Turek and Shockwave's yep. podcast were out there and and that's when I was trying to go and it just yep. was too crazy it was like almost impossible to to get out there so oh, yeah. then I kept thinking oh I'll wait till I have a film that'll play and then I'll have more of a reason to go but oh yeah now I, now I have a different reason to go oh yeah for sure uh, you can go there and promote whatever you got going on. It'll be April, so I'm sure there'll be something. Definitely yeah, be something. Or, or maybe I can even get a film in there. If it's in April, I'm sure they haven't ended submissions yet. I mean, or we maybe... might be able to do something for you, but uh, we'll, oh, that... we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. 
Um, yeah. Salem's a really cool place as well, man. That's I visited for the first time in April. Last, I say this last year, year yeah, twenty three now, isn't it? Last year, yeah, um, yeah. This is a fucking crazy place. It's really cool. It's it's a really pretty place, isn't it? Like all the houses and the like and the, and then but then it's just everything around. It's just horror, 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 witches and yeah. I mean, it's great. I was it's fun really taking cool. you over there, Dean. I can't yeah, wait to do it again it, this year, man. Yeah. Drew, I'll do the same thing for you. Come over. I'll, I'll give you the the best uh, tour in in the city. <laughs> that would be amazing. I actually get um, mess DMs from the unofficial mayor of Salem. <laughs> I, I believe is what uh, what he. Yeah, I, I would take me a while to figure out what. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of through my social media. Um, I have like a lot a, a pretty a wide variety of fans. Um, some are, some are horror fans. Some have no idea that I even make horror and they just like my content and some just like me. Um, so I have a lot of gay fans. Uh, there's def and, and, um, and a lot of drag Queens and that I get a messages from, and I can't remember her name, but a drag queen that said that she was the unofficial mayor of Salem. Yeah. Get- this, this one's like that over, over where I am too. I, I've, like like you are, there's so many of them. It's really hard to remember all their names. Um, but there's a really really cool movie. I don't know if you've seen it. That was actually filmed really close to me. Um, Death Drop Gorgeous. That's yeah. on, on Shutter. So I know all, pretty much all the guys that were in there and all the all the drag queens that were in there. I had a chance to talk to them, meet them in person also. But some of the um, really cool video coven um, movie showings that they um, Kay was doing for pre Salem Horror, Horror Fest this year. Um, so in October and even I think through this month, they're doing um, video coven stuff, which is just stuff in the cinema that was either shown at previous um, Salem Horror Fests that weren't able to be on the big screen. Like during oh, okay. COVID, they they did um, uh, an online only viewing. So she wanted to bring them back to be on the big screen and invited a lot of the directors and, and actors and stuff that were in all those films so to be able to get one of your films on there awesome that, oh well then we need to talk hell yeah i will i'll send you some some contacts for sure <laughs> yeah please do because i there's like i said there's several that are going to be coming out this year too so that potentially haven't even screened anywhere else yet hell yeah man oh yeah or, or one that has whatever what i mean I'm, I'm up to i'm open for anything so Oh yeah, and, and this... then I would definitely then I would definitely come. Yeah, for sure. Dean, do you have any uh any other questions you want to throw, or are you oh, like yeah, a good I'm, man? Ah oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. I think you know the only th- the other the only other thing I was going to ask, and I have to ask this, um, because my girlfriend will kill me otherwise, because she's the biggest Killers fan. <laughs> you was in you was in a Killers video, right? I, I was, yes. <laughs> um, oh man, she because we were, I was again. We were just sort of looking. We always follow what you do and stuff. And I saw a post you put up the other day. So I know this is totally like <laughs> away from the movies and the horror movies. But she was like, ask him if he knows Brandon Flowers. <laughs> She's obsessed, absolutely obsessed with it. Bless, bless her heart. She absolutely loves the Killers. So I was like, I love Droopy. That's funny. Well, yeah, no, it was. That was a while ago now, probably like, I don't know, six or seven years ago. But yeah, every every Christmas they do a Christmas release that yeah. they shoot a music video for that's for charity. And so yeah. that year it was a song called Cowboy Christmas Ball. 
and they shot it at this um this little western town that doesn't actually exist anymore but it used to exist here and and it was super cool and they needed some villains to steal christmas from the killers and the other townsfolk and so i got to be one of those one of those people um but i was just cast as an actor like i didn't actually know i mean they're from here and we have from vegas aren't they yeah yeah they're from vegas and we have a lot of mutual friends but i had never met any of them but i've um ronnie the drummer like a lot of we have a lot of mutual friends he went to high school with a bunch of my friends so um and he ended up they were all super cool um but there were a lot it was a big there were a bunch of people involved it was a big music video uh so i didn't get a ton of interaction with the band like ronnie ended up just like hanging out with us like he me and the other bandits that stole christmas like he just i think he wanted to he wanted to be one of us instead yeah. of, a, of a townsfolk like i think he wanted to have a scar on his face and a yeah, gun yeah. and steal christmas so uh but brandon like my only my i mean he came over and introduced himself and was super nice and just yeah. like t- tiny and adorable and I, like, <laughs> I wanted to like pick him up and hug him um yeah. But like my biggest memory from you can let her know is just that he is beautiful. Um, and then <laughs> that like, and like much like uh, Morticia Adams in the old Adams family, like he felt, it seemed like he always had this like perfect soft light on him. Like right. no matter where he was, like yeah. you would turn and he would just be off in a corner by himself. Like where we're pe- surrounded by people eating sandwiches in a dark corner, but there would be a perfect light. On this, so and it's like por- porcelain doll face like i yeah, remember man. like every time i turn around like jesus christ like he's just still beautiful like over there leaning against the outhouse and he somehow still looks angelic angelic yeah that's that was like all i remember from him but he like kept he kept to himself like he always seemed to be not in a rude way at all but because yeah, uh, when he would come on set he was super polite and like met everybody and shook everyone's hands. But when we weren't shooting, he would kind of go off in his corner and, you know, do his thing. But that was a great experience. They were all, they were all really cool. Yeah. That's cool. Oh yeah. I'll let her know that. Yeah. Yeah. Let her know. (laughs) Drew, this was a blast. you know, getting to know you a little bit more and now I can call you a friend. Yeah, for sure. Of the podcast family. Um, Dean, I have to thank you really for, you know, putting Drew on my radar. I mean, I was already following you for a while, um, but for you really pushing, like, yo, we got to get Drew on. We need to get Drew on. I'm like, you know what? You're right. He's got such a great personality and he's so bright and your film is brilliant. And I can't wait for the second one and all these other films that you're you're doing, whether you're making them or you're a part of them, whatever it may be. Just seeing someone be so creative and not really letting anything hold you back is very inspiring. And, um, Thank you for that. Seriously. Oh, thank you for the kind words and for uh, bringing me on. Yeah. And you're welcome back at any time. We always offer that to any of the guests, whether it's to come on to talk about a movie, like review it with us or talk about something else that's going to be coming out that you want to highlight. You are forever um, on this show. Sweet. And I have to send you a pool party massacre poster to hang on that wall behind you. Oh, both I got of, plenty both of, space, of you trust if you me. want one. I got oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. man. Well, I have plenty of posters. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Or or I'll bring them to Salem Horror Fest. Oh, my God, yes. That would be absolutely awesome. Dean, we'll put them at your table. (laughs) That would be awesome. But, um, yeah, this was such fun, and um, I'm looking forward to more chats along the way. Um, Dean, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to come and chat with us. And we will see everybody next time. Have a good one, everyone. Goodbye.